Welcome to Hear Her Sports. I'm Elizabeth Emery. This week, I spoke to pole vaulter Katie Najat, another athlete with her eyes on the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. In the 2016 Olympic trials, she tied for fifth, so is certainly well on her way. She was the collegiate indoor and outdoor D2 national champion and D2 national record holder in 2013, an alternate for the world team in 2015, and a bronze medalist at the NACAC Games in 2015. Her current world ranking is 12th. Next week, she is competing in the U.S. National Championships, aiming for a berth on the World Championship team to compete later this summer. Find out more about that on hearhersports.com backslash episode notes. On that same page, find links to the books she likes, other stuff we talk about, and her sponsors. If you're thinking about purchasing any of these items, it really helps the podcast if you do so through our website, either because I receive a small percentage of money for these links, or we can report link stats to potential sponsors. We really appreciate your support and interest in what the athletes care about and what they are using for their sports. A big thank you to Ali's Bar for their delicious, healthy bars. Get 50% off and free shipping on their bars. Use promo code HERSPORTS. Find out more at allysbar.com, A-L-L-Y-S-B-A-R.com. Now let's get started. Here's Katie Najat. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited. And you're a native of the Cleveland area, but you're not training here now, right? Correct. Um, I grew up in Olmsted Falls, which is about 20 minutes outside of Cleveland. And so, yeah, I lived there basically up until my first year out of college. I moved down to Knoxville to train. And then after about a year and a half, I came back home and was training between Ashland, which is where I went to college, and Akron University a little bit. And just a couple months ago, I moved out to Washington State to train out here. What what brought you to Washington State? So the coach at Washington State is the American record holder, and he had just retired. And I was looking for a new situation. I came out. I texted him um, in the fall. I was looking for a new situation, and I looked at a couple different places. But I texted him because I had heard he had taken this position if he could coach elites. And he was like, yeah, come on out. And so right before Thanksgiving, I went out and it was just the perfect fit. So after my indoor season, I I made the move. So, well, that's exciting that you found a perfect, perfect coach. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, time will tell, but I think it's a really good situation and a really good fit. And he's, he's exactly what I need right now. Oh, that's great. This is the first time I'll be doing it in this format, but I want to do five speed questions so we can get to know you a little bit better. Okay. You ready? Sure. You have uh, really cool sneakers in your latest Instagram image, so I was wondering what your favorite sneakers are. Oh, man. Well, I represent Adidas, and I I love love Adidas shoes. Um, My favorite trainers are the Supernova Glides. Nice. And I also noticed that in most of your photos, you have high socks. Tell me about the high socks. Yeah. So when I first started working with Adidas, they sent me like over 100 pairs of socks. And a bunch of those were really fun, calf-high printed socks. And so I was just like, you know what? That's going to be my thing this year. So I wear a different pattern of of calf-high socks. (laughs) They're sweet. They're really sweet. And can normal people... Can normal people get those? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Okay. All right, so the next question is, are you an early bird or a night owl? A night owl. Oh, I'm so bad in the mornings. Are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How late do you stay up? Uh, 
Well, I've been really good lately, but there was a time when I would be up till like two in the morning, no problem, but I'd sleep until like 11 right. sometimes. So yeah, I definitely like nights better. <laughs> and what's your favorite all-time sporty memory? Oh man. Um, so my favorite memory with pole vaulting it's actually a high school meet. Uh, it was my sophomore year of high school. So I was about mm, 15 years old and I just broke in. It was the first time I ever broke a meet record. And I think I jumped like 11 feet that day or so. it was I've, I, maybe 11 one. And, uh, my, my dad actually passed away when I was 16. And so that was that meet, he was there and it was like, it was just an awesome memory for me. Um, and he came running up and just gave me the biggest hug. So that will forever be my favorite meet. um, That's a a nice one. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. And what is, do you have an indulgent? Oh yeah. Um, pretty much any food that's bad for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) no, I definitely have a sweet tooth. I love sweets. Um, and I just, I had quite the, I just, I have a problem with, um, just moderation. So (laughs) there's a lot of food in front of me. I eat it, but I think sweets are probably my biggest thing. I actually have dessert the night before each competition. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. And the last one, what are you reading now or watching on TV now? Okay, well, my guilty pleasure is definitely The Bachelor slash Bachelorette, and I've just, I've come to own up to it. Um, I'm not reading anything now, but I tend to like books that are like kind of the suspense thrillers. Um, And so like um, uh, Pretty Baby was a good one that I read recently, and stuff that's like The Girl on the Train, like similar vibes to that, where it's right. kind of creepy and there's a twist at the end. So, um, The Good Girl was another one that I read that was really good. But yeah, so I now my time is taken up by The Bachelorette. So, <laughs> <laughs> I am interested in how you how you started. So approach it from maybe a, a different twist of like. What attracted you when you were in high school? I th- no, you were younger than high school, right? Yes. Why don't you tell the story? And But I'm, what, I'm, what I'm interested in is what attracted you? Like, what was the attraction of seeing the pole vaulters? Yeah. So when I was really little, I was a gymnast. And I was always doing things very gymnasty related. Um, I, for example, when I was in fifth grade, I climbed to the top of a soccer goal and tried to flip off of it and dislocated my wrist. And moments before that, my mom had yelled at me because I was climbing on a light post and she was like, I'm not taking you to the emergency room tonight. And then five minutes later, I ran over to her with my wrist was out of place. And she's like, well, I guess I'm taking you to the emergency room tonight. So I just I loved anything involving upper body strength, like climbing on things and anything adrenaline related. And so in middle school, that was my in seventh grade. That was the first time we were allowed to do track and field for our public school and they took us over to the track and I saw the high schoolers doing it and I instantly was like I have to try that and I begged my coaches for days to let me go over there and you know they they wanted they I don't think they really wanted to deal with the pole vault so they they kept saying no and finally by the end of like the third or fourth day 
they were like, fine, go over there. There was one girl on the high school coach and I just, all 70 pounds of me walked over and was like, can I try? <laughs> and I've been hooked ever since. When I watch, you know, the Olympic pole vaulting, I don't know how you would learn how to do that. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't seem like there's an in-between step. I mean, you're either on the ground or you're flying through the air. So how do you, how do you learn how to do that? Yeah. And, and actually, I, it's, it's funny. I think most of us at this level kind of forget that transition of like very, very beginners. But you just, I think the best way you do it is you work on plant drills. You do a lot of stuff off to the side of the pit and you work on general strength. And you just, it, you just, you work your way up. You start on really small poles, gripping really low, basically just like jumping into the pit with a pole in your hand. And you just slowly but surely start doing, like you'll, you'll start with the pole tip dragging on the ground just a couple steps out and just try to flip upside down and land on your back. And it just slowly but surely, then you, you try to flip upside down, but land over on your stomach. And then you try to, you know, flip over, but flip around it's kind of hard to explain just over a voice thing but you kind of flip over onto your back and so you just you work your way up to like bigger longer poles and and so it everybody's like oh isn't that so scary but we've worked our way to the point where we're at that the height itself is not it's not like we out of nowhere we're jumping you know 15 feet it's it's kind of a gradual process and I've I've been doing it since I was 12, so not to show my age too much, but you're showing experience. Of my life. <laughs> I've been doing it for the majority of my life at this point. So. It never occurred to me that there would be short poles. Yeah, so they make that's that's the thing I think a lot of people don't realize is that we have many different poles, and they vary in length, they vary in stiffness, and they have different weights on them. Um, and so, you know, the younger you are or, you know, the less experienced you're, you're on shorter poles that are softer so that you don't, you know, get rejected to the back of the runway. And then as you get better and even even now today, I carry around eight to 10 poles with me going to a competition because when I start, I start on a short approach. So we count our we count every other step when we run down the runway so that we know exactly where we're taking off every time so that we jump on the same step every time and so if I'm running from a shorter approach let's say it's like 60 feet and so it's I count four lefts I'm going to be on a shorter pole and a softer pole than if I was coming from 115 feet which would be my eight left step full speed um, it's going to be a longer pole and ultimately the pole vault when you break it down is just how fast you run how high you can grip and how much you get pushed off the top of the pole. That equation is is the simplest way I can describe it. And I'm still sort of stuck on the fact that you travel with eight to ten poles. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely get some looks in the airport, that's for sure. That sounds like a total pain in the you-know-what. Oh, it is. We always joke about how high-maintenance we are. And it's, it's tough. It's a tube. So, I mean, it, you're just carrying around one unit. But, they, I mean, they get to be 50 to 60 pounds and you're carrying them on your shoulder 15 16 feet long for the guys it's going to be longer than that and uh you're just <laughs> you got to try and check them in to the air 
the airplane and half the time they're like I don't think we can do that and it's it's definitely not the most fun but unfortunately we can't we can't not do it of course (laughs) it sounds like pole vaulting is really technique bound do you like that part of the sport I mean do you like learning making sure that your technique is really good and I'm sure that you have to keep on working at it I do. And actually, I think that's what's cool about the pole vault is it's not unheard of when someone has a big personal record, like a new personal best, because, you know, if they kind of refine their technique one way or another, that that could be kind of the game changer. And that's honestly why I wanted to to move out here. Um, One of the things that I really struggled with technique wise was my takeoff. So that initial jump where your pole hits the back of the box, you jump up, the pole starts to bend, um, I would lose a lot of energy there. And I won't get into the physics of it because it's kind of complicated. But I I really was looking for something maybe a little different. And, and I loved my old coach, and he was a phenomenal coach. Um, but I just felt like I needed someone that would focus more on that into putting better energy so that I could get onto stiffer poles so that I could ultimately jump higher. And you, and you had some good results this season so far. Is that what you attributed it to? Thank you. Yes, actually. So I went out at Thanksgiving and I practiced with his, his name is Brad Walker. Um, so I practiced with Brad for just a week and I had three very short approach jump sessions, but the cues that he gave me, I used all through indoor season when I came back home and I was still using the training plan of my other coach, but I was using the cues that Brad had given me. And I mean, it was a world of a difference and that was what was kind of the game changer for me. And that was what made me realize this is the place that I need to be because if we could accomplish that much and I could have the success that I was having with just a couple sessions, what could we accomplish in, you know, three years going into the next Olympic cycle? That's really cool. What do you think makes you a good pole vaulter? Um, oh boy, making me toot my own horn here. <laughs> um, I think something that I am better than a lot of people at is I'm very fast on the runway. I've, I've had a lot of people compliment me on my run and people that were kind of like, man, with how fast you run, why aren't you jumping higher? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I would say that, and then I I swing really fast. What does that um, mean? So I get up. It means that I get upside down on the pole quickly, and so you're just this. My speed on the pole is is pretty decent um, in terms of. From the moment I leave the ground flipping upside down, it's it's kind of a quick, fluid movement, which makes it a little bit maybe easier. But but the thing about pole vaulting that's cool is there's no one right way to do it. Is there, I mean, you look at the difference between some of the best in the world and they all have very different jumps. It's It's kind of cool. What is one of the most difficult aspects for you in your sport? The mental aspect, hands down. I I think most of us can agree that a lot of us are similar in terms of physical ability once you get up to this level, but it's who's going to be toughest that day. It's who who can get out there and just 
beat the elements because a lot of times when it's outdoor season, we'll have, you know, headwinds or crosswinds or rain or, you know, it's, it's who is the toughest on that day. And, um, yeah, I think at this level, um, it's really, it just comes down to who is mentally toughest on that day. And, and what are you doing to train for that? Um, so actually when I would practice at my old facility, when I would run from a full approach, so my, my full outrun that I would run from in competition, um, I would make my coach give me like a tap on the back right at the takeoff to kind of give me a little confidence boost in every single jump. And so, yeah, we call that, you know, getting a tap. And my new coach was like, I will give you one of those a session and that's it. And so in the past few practices, I haven't used one once and I'm getting on bigger poles than I've ever been on in practice. And I think that's instilling so much confidence in me because it, you know, I'm not relying on things like adrenaline from a meet or a tap from my coach. You know, I'm, I'm not letting my feelings get the better of me and my emotions get the better of me. It's just coming down doing the same thing every time, hitting the takeoff, things like that. But yeah, I think just being in a good mindset coming into a competition and not letting things get the better of you. And I think, yeah, he he was the toughest person mentally on the runway when he was in his prime. He won Worlds twice. He's the American record holder. And so I knew coming out here, my biggest struggle, more than my physical issues was my mental game and I wanted to get better at that. And I knew he was the guy that was going to help me achieve that. So what, what are your goals for the next few years? In a couple weeks, uh, June 25th, I will compete at us, our U S national championship meet. And the top three from that will qualify for, um, the world championships in London in August. And so I, would love to make that team so placing top three at on next Sunday is my most immediate goal and then there's there's a world championships it varies between indoor and outdoor but every year leading up to the next Olympics and so I would love to make those teams and I would obviously I my biggest goal is to make the Olympic team the women's pole vault in the United States is arguably one of the hardest Olympic teams to make. Um, if you look, so the way it works is you have to have a certain height standard. And there were 22 of us that, I think it was 22, it was over 20 that had that height standard. Whereas every other country maybe only had a couple people. And most countries didn't even have girls to fill out all three spots. And so it's just, it it was crazy because you know, our, our top two women that made the team that year were the indoor world record holder and the girl that got silver at the Olympics. And the third, third spot was by a freshman in college who was just a stud. And so it was, it's just, and you know, the next couple girls all had myself included had good days, had some of the best days of their lives and didn't make the team. And it's just kind of crazy looking at that. But I think what that did is it kept me motivated. I think if I was in any other situation, I 
could maybe, I'd like to think that I wouldn't stay static, but it'd be harder to push myself out of my comfort zone to continue to strive to get better to make these teams. Whereas if I was in another situation, another country, you know, if I was making a team, I, I might not have that same kind of incentive to really keep improving. I think coming off of that, you can choose to look at it one of two ways. You know, some people, it really defeats them because you work four years for this one meet. And unfortunately, most of society only sees track and field success as if you went to the Olympics. They don't know much about the sport. And so if you tell anyone what you do, if I say like, oh, I'm a professional pole vaulter, they're like, oh, are you going to the Olympics? That's pretty much the first and only question they ask. And so for some people, it's, it just kicks them down and and knocks them out a little bit. They just, it's really hard to bounce back from that. And I think I'm pretty fortunate that I just took it as, okay, like, let's get better. I think that's a hard question to hear when it is the only question that you get asked is, have you been to the Olympics? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I know it comes from, uh, you know, they want to support you and they're really interested, but you know, there's so much more than that. Right. Yeah, and and it was tough watching it because most of the girls that were in the final were girls that I had competed against internationally a lot of the year. Um, They were girls that I, in some cases, I I had jumped higher than, but that's that's just the way that it works. And I I think it would be cool um, to make a team for the U.S. because if I think when you make a team for the U.S., you're in a better position to place well. It's not just that you made the team and you went, like you have a shot to maybe medal. You have a shot to really, really do well. So that's that's definitely inspiring as well. I want to get a little bit to what kind of training you're doing. You have a coach. Um, yes. Like, what is your week like, and what are you focusing on? Yeah, well, unfortunately this week I got knocked out by a head cold. So I've been in my bed a lot, but (laughs) normally (laughs) other than this. Yeah. (laughs) So we typically vault two to three times a week. Most people think I just vault, you know, all day, every day. And that's really not the case. It's very demanding um, physically, mentally. And so in order to get really good sessions in, we only typically vault a couple times a week. The other days are spent. um, We get lifting in Olympic lifting which I had never had in previous programs. And I think that's another reason I wanted to come out here is I really don't enjoy lifting, but I knew that if I was in a program that forced me to lift a lot more, that would also make me tougher because I would just, I'd come in and I'd do it. And and I think when you get better at something, you're going to enjoy it more. So as I've noticed, as I've gotten stronger in the weight room I've started to enjoy going more than I did when I first came out here um and we'll do sprinting workouts um and like anywhere from six by 120 meter sprints all out or three sets of three 30 meter dashes and then other days we'll just be technique type stuff where I'll just we call them pole runs where I will literally run down the track with the pole as if I was running towards a pit and a plant box and just kind of run out of it, but so that it makes my run 
very consistent um, because that's going to set you up for everything. So if your run and everything leading up into the takeoff is consistent, it's going to help you immensely. So we work a lot on that. Um, yeah, I think those are the those are the big ones. Do you do any yoga or stretching or anything like that? Um, so I actually hate yoga. Hate's a strong word. I'm so inflexible, which is weird because I was a gymnast when I was little, but I, I'm so bad at it that like, I don't enjoy yoga, but I know how good it is for you. And so my coach would bring in a yoga instructor for his team and I would go to that. And I actually did start to enjoy that more, but it, it always kind of cracks me up when people are like, oh, hot yoga. I'm like, well, I, I hate sweating and I'm not flexible. So that's my worst nightmare. But <laughs> <laughs> but I respect it. Like I I have mad respect for people that are good at yoga. I'm just not. Um, but I I acknowledge that it's it's definitely good for a person and their body. And I've I've been bad about stretching in the past and my coach has been writing in more stretching sessions um, like at night and just longer stretches after workouts and things that I, I didn't do in the past, but I really need to because I'm pushing my body more and it's definitely something that I need to utilize. So You're going to be a friend for all the listeners who really hate yoga and aren't <laughs> good at stretching. Uh, or all the people that love yoga are going to be like, this girl sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, admittedly, I'm terrible. I, I have minimal flexibility, but we are working on it. So. <laughs> I really know very little about about pole vaulting. I have watched it a fair amount because I do find it fascinating to watch everybody fly through the air. But one thing that I noticed preparing for this interview is that you guys have amazing hip flexors and amazing abs. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so it's, I think the, I mean, what's interesting about pole vaulting is that you're really using every aspect of your body. Like, I'll be sore in places I didn't realize I, you could be sore. But, um, yeah, I would definitely say core work is, is huge, um, because, you know, and then shoulders, I would say your shoulders that that's what propels that, that motion. And then your core is what kind of gets you upside down. So we do a lot of things related to core work and shoulder stability, strength, things like that. Are you doing that in the gym or does that come from just the, the vaulting? Both. Um, yeah. So vaulting itself gives you a lot of good general specific strength. So in lifting days, some days I'll have what's called an auxiliary lift and it's a little bit lighter of a day, but what it will include is more like pull-ups and some high bar drills where you're just kind of hanging on a bar and you'll do things like, you know, flip upside down as if you were, you know, on a pole or you'll start upside down just hanging. So you, so you hang and you flip up so that your feet are over your face and you drop down to your knees and then you have to come back up. And I, I have videos of this on my Instagram, but I like those because they're more very specifically related to what we're doing. And how often are you doing that? Um, once a week. Got it. And then I, he'll do also like just general strength type things after pole vaulting sessions where it'll be a circuit of, you know, V-ups and um, supermans and, you know, there's like 10 different things, but that work 
works on core and your back and, and things like that. What is your normal day like? So I typically wake up, I would say these days I'm waking up around like nine-ish or so, and I'll try to get like two meals in. So I eat every couple hours. So I try to get two meals in, I'll wake up and eat instantly and then wait a couple hours, eat again. And then I'll go do my workout, whatever that may be. And then depending on the day, I can be there for a couple hours. Some days I'll be there for five hours just because I'll do, like, for example, some days I'll have a vault session, which lasts a few hours. And then right after that, I'll go do a lift session, which takes a couple hours. And then just kind of come home and unwind and watch some TV. (laughs) I feel like most of my day is either training or focusing on training. I think it's amazing that we can fill up our days just doing athletic stuff and thinking about athletic stuff. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. Well, and it's funny because so many people are like, you know, where I moved to, it's it's in the middle of nowhere. Like it's, it's farm town. It's very much just a college town. Um, and they're like, don't you get bored out there? But I think I haven't, I'm sure there will come a time where I will, but as of right now, I haven't because most of my focus is, you know, going into training or actually training. And then by the time I get home, I'm kind of tired, not wanting to do much anyway. So (laughs) it kind of works out. And do you like competing? I love competing. It's it's funny. I I always kind of joke. I I'm not one of those people that's like, yes, I get to go work out today. Like I I'm pretty lazy by nature. Um, but I love competing and I love getting new personal records. And I know that in order to do that, I have to put the work in. And so for me, it's like, okay, you know, I what do I want more? Do I want to sit on my couch and watch Netflix? Yes. But more than that, I want to, I, I want to set a personal record. I want to continue to get better. And so you have to put the work in, but competing is just, I love the adrenaline of it. I, when you clear a bar, whether it's your opening height or, you know, some bar in the middle or a PR, it's just, it's the best feeling. It's, there's really, it's the ultimate elation and it's hard to describe, but you can see it in some of the pictures that are taken of us when we're, when we're competing, when, especially when we clear a new personal record. I mean, the facial expressions, what I like about them, aside from being super embarrassing because they're not cute, it's just, it's pure emotion, elation. Like you don't have any time to think about what your face is going to look like or calculate you know, like you just, you just react and it's, it's pretty cool just seeing pure emotion on your face. I'm trying to imagine, I mean, you have this big competition coming up next week or in a little more than a week. So when you go to the competition, like, how do you approach it? You know, like what is, what are your personal tactics to get there in the right frame of mind and, you know, make sure that you're set up you know, with everything that you need, whether that's actual those eight to 10 poles or whether it's, you know, a special pillow or all that, or, you know, like in your food that you need at the, at the actual meet, like, what are you doing to prepare for that now? Yeah. So from a mental standpoint, I try to go in staying 
really calm. Like if I get, I've noticed there have been times when I get really excited a couple days early and then my adrenaline is just depleted by the time I get to the actual meet. And so just staying calm when I'm in the meet, just really focusing on the cues that we've worked on and not letting emotions get the better of me, just staying really like obviously channeling that adrenaline and using it, but state not letting my mind get scatterbrained um just really focusing on the couple cues that we're working on from a physical standpoint in terms of food and things like that yeah I just try to stay really consistent I on a regular basis eat I try to get six meals a day in that doesn't always happen but I really just try to eat every couple hours and that keeps me pretty pretty regular and you know just keeps my body energized and my metabolism going and try to get really good protein and some complex carbs in there with healthy fats and fruits and veggies thrown in um the night before a competition I try to eat I lately I've been eating pasta with some form of chicken uh grilled chicken preferably um And then, like I said, I always have a little bit of dessert the night before. I don't know if it's a mental thing or if the way the sugar reacts in my body actually helps, but I did that all indoor season and it didn't hurt me. So that's my excuse to eat dessert. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's just, I try to stay really hydrated. I'll drink a lot of Pedialyte or there's a brand called SOS Hydration that's really good. And I try to just stay really hydrated. Um... And then I eat about an hour and a half. So like the day of, if it's an early meet, you know, I'll wake up early, make sure I'm fully awake, have a couple meals. Um, And then I always try to eat about an hour and a half before the warm up. So with the pole vault, it takes a very long time because, you know, you start your jogging about a half hour before the warm up even starts. So you do your jogging, your dynamic, your static stretching, and then the warm up starts and you have an hour on the runway of just practice, just getting warmed up, actually vaulting, and then the competition starts. So competition from the time you start warming up to the time the competition finishes can be anywhere from 3 to 5 sometimes longer hours so then you add your warm-up time on top of that and it's it's, yeah it's a good amount of time so also making sure that I have snacks in between what are you eating for snacks so my favorite is they're called picky bars Um, they were designed by professional runners who were kind of wanting something that was more natural bar they're they're a bar um, and you know, a lot of those have just a lot of processed stuff in them, not real food. And so they created these bars that that were all natural, all real food. And uh, they're more carb-based. I think they're more than protein-based. Um, but for a competition where you need carbs to work off, I think they're great. Um, so after a warm-up, I'll have one of those and I'll feel great through the competition. I have I have a bunch of questions about all that competition stuff, but the first one yeah. is, what are you eating for breakfast? You say you have two breakfasts, so what, yeah. what are your two breakfasts? So when I first wake up, so I'm actually, I'm working with this company called Chike. It's a protein coffee, um, and I, I love them. Um, so my first meal will typically just be that with either oatmeal or maybe some cereal or 
some form of carb paired with that. And then my next meal could be either, you know, a sandwich with, you know, turkey or chicken or, you know, um, uh, or maybe eggs. I like, I love eggs. Um, I do, you know, whether they're scrambled or, you know, over easy or whatever. <laughs> I love eggs. So I do a lot of those. Um, cause it's good protein and then you get your healthy fats in there as well with the yolk. Um, I love eggs. Ah, they're the best. <laughs> yeah. My coach is like, really eggs again. I'm like, well, they're cheap. Why not? They're cheap and I'm kind of broke and yeah. So eggs again. <laughs> So um, dur- the another question is during the competition, the actual competition section of the the meet. Yes. How are you maintaining? Um, I guess your poise and also your calm. And what are you thinking about when you you know you get on the run? I don't know. Is it called a runway? Yes. Yes. It's called. A when runway. you get on the runway with your pole, like what are you thinking about, or are you thinking about nothing? I try to keep my mind pretty clear, except for those couple cues. Um, it, and it's definitely, it's, it's a learning experience. I think what helped was that growing up, I was, I was pretty good. And so there would be a lot of downtime after the warm up, waiting for my opening height to come in because you can choose what height you want to come in at that might be a risk because if you miss it, that means that you didn't make any of those heights before and it's called a no height. But at the same time, you don't want to tire yourself out and come in at all these lower bars. And then by the time you get to bars that, you know, are close to what you actually want to jump, then you're exhausted. So I think it helped having that when I was younger, a lot of waiting around time, you know, kind of, you learn how to channel your energy when you need to. So you, you know, you get on the runway, you focus that adrenaline, you get that adrenaline rush, you think about your couple cues, and then you come down, you execute, you know, and, you know, if you miss it, then you have a couple minutes, you talk to your coach, figure out what you did wrong, or what, you know, what needs to be changed, and then, you know, get back on the runway, kind of channel that energy again, and do the same kind of thing. And then if you make the bar, then you have more time to just kind of relax and you know it's it's a balance of learning how to keep that get that energy up and then and then just relaxing it's it's definitely an interesting it's a long exhausting competition mentally and physically but um yeah I think like I said the people that are the best are the ones that mentally are just able to channel that adrenaline the best and, you know, execute what they need to. It sounds like you've learned or are learning really to, to be able to control your emotions and, and your focus. That's, it's quite impressive. Yes. And this sport, it's very easy to let your emotions get the better of you. If you took a jump that everything felt great and let's say you just came down on the standard like you came down on the bar a little bit so you have to move the standards the standards are where you can place the bar based on where your hips are peaking you there's um a little bit of leeway there so there's a it's there's a lot of technical aspects to the pole vault it's not just how you jump it's also knowing where to set the bar and knowing you know, what pole to be on at which height and things like that. It's being able to 
keep everything the same, not let your emotions get the better of you. If you're down to a third and final attempt, not letting yourself freak out, it's really kind of keeping that focus. And and it's nice having your coach there to kind of say, yep, this is what happened. You're fine. Just do this. Put the standards here. You're good. It's definitely nice getting that, that second set of eyes and somebody that watches you on a regular basis when you practice. So they know kind of how you adapt and they know how you respond to certain things. And I have one question. This is sort of going back to when you started. I was curious about when you were a young girl, was it, was it fun for you to be an active, energetic girl or was, were you, was it weird? Did you get support being athletic? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I did. And in my school, actually a lot of girls were really athletic. We had a very athletic grade. So that was, it was fun because a lot of my friends, I I would get to, you know, hang out with them at different sporting events and things like that. And so, you know, not to stereotype, but it was, you know, kind of cool to be a girl and be an athlete in my school, which was awesome because I know a lot of, I know some girls don't always have that, but yeah, it's, it was really fun. And and I was just obnoxious when I was younger, just (laughs) bouncing off the walls, way too much energy. And, you know, I think pole vault was kind of perfect for me. (laughs) Have you experienced any sexism as a professional pole vaulter? Um, you know, not, nothing that like jumps out at me like, oh, that was awful. Like nothing like that. Actually, I've, I've found a lot of respect for the women's pole vault from people, which is really nice. But, you know, I mean, we're in a sport where you're, it's, it's almost a, that's what she said joke in and of itself. So there's, you know, there's a lot of just sexual jokes made, which I, I kind of just laugh at because it's, I mean, I get it. Like you're playing with poles and a lot of the things that we say, like, you know, penetration, like things like that, you know, you just get a lot of jokes out of, but, um, and, and I've heard comments like, you know, like the women's pole vault is, is overall a very beautiful event, um, and, you know, good bodies and things like that, which is, which is very flattering, but, you know, I, so no, there hasn't really been anything that would jump out at me as like just sexism, uh, yeah, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're starting to wrap up. I was wondering if there's anything that we didn't get to that you really want to talk to or talk about. Well, I remember you you in in your email you had said talking about like issues that maybe like we as athletes have faced and what's interesting I think and me and some of the girls have kind of I don't know if you could call it a campaign, but it's it's this movement thing, I guess, we're doing. Um, my friend started it, and it's called the I Am Enough Challenge. And it's basically, you know, I, myself included, but a lot of girls you hear always, you know, putting themselves down. Whether it be like, oh, I just look kind of fat today, or oh, you know, I, I look so ugly today, whatever. And what, I, what I've realized is that what, what she did is she was like, okay, this, this is ridiculous. Like you would never say that about your friends. So why are you saying this about yourself? And something that I've really, really struggled with in the past couple of years has been body image. And 
Um, there was a time when I just, I was not eating nearly enough for what I was trying to do. And so I think that I've gotten kind of on board with that and just showing girls because I, I looked at a lot of the girls that I was competing against when I was coming in and they were all in these like crop top sports bras looking fantastic with these incredible abs. And, and at that time I didn't, I didn't have that. And I, and I have a different body type, I would say you know, my, my legs are really long and lean, but my torso is short. And if I gain weight, that's where it's at. And it does, when you put on a a sports bra, it doesn't always look great, um, proportionately. And at least in my eyes, it didn't. And, and so I really struggled with that and talking with a lot of the girls that I compete with, they also had body image issues. And it was kind of crazy to me because I looked at these girls as having these perfect, perfect bodies and so I just recently kind of posted a thing just showing that you know a couple years ago I was down you know I'm 5'8 and I was at 120 pounds trying to get on poles that were 45 pounds over my weight because I was not eating enough because I wanted to feel good in a sports bra and I kind of just wanted to show now I'm you know 20 pounds heavier and you know, I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been and focusing, you know, the focus is not how I look, but how I compete. And so, and I, I know that if I was thinking these things, I know there are high school girls out there looking at us thinking the exact same thing. And the last thing I want is for them to think that, you know, everything was all perfect. And I, you know, I love my body all the time because it's, it's not true. And it's, but it shouldn't be like that. Like you can wear whatever you want without having to worry about that. Like if, you know, and you, I mean, I think this past indoor season, I wore, I wore a tank top just to kind of say like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like, And I don't know, I, I'm trying not to get too preachy or anything like that, but basically I just wanted I want girls to know that, you know, as long as they're healthy, healthy looks a lot of different ways. And so there's not one right way to look healthy, uh, even though I think, you know, society doesn't always tell us that. If you if you lined up all the pole vault women, all of our bodies are very different. We are all built very, very differently. And, And the work that we put in allows us to look a certain way. But like, but if you look at a lot of other events, like everybody's body is different and there's no one right way to look. It's all about being healthy and, and the function of strength and things like that. You're so brave to talk about that. I think that's <laughs> awesome. Oh, thank you. So are you talking to high schools? I have, yes. Um, I, I went in and spoke with an elementary school, which was really fun uh, last year. And then I spoke with, uh, high school volleyball team last year as well. And so I haven't done as much this year, but um, I, I really enjoy talking to, to schools. I bet they love having you there. Yeah, it's, I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> are, are there actual actions with this I Am Enough challenge? You know, it, we're not really doing it as, you know, to, to get something other than just you know, to kind of reinforce girls, like you're, you're, you're pretty enough. You are smart enough. You are good enough. You are whatever it is that you're struggling with. Like you are enough. And, and so we're not really using it to like, you know, 
capitalize off of it. It's really just more of to show girls like we struggle too. It's normal, but like, but you shouldn't like. I, yeah, I I love that. I I think being enough is a really difficult concept. Yeah. Yes, I, I, like, yeah, like, it's yeah, yes, exactly. It, and and I know there will probably be people listening to this like, oh, whatever. But you know, it's something we've all like really. I me and my friends at least have all really struggled with it. So. Oh, me too. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Katie. This has been absolutely fantastic, and I appreciate you uh, coming onto the podcast and coming on the podcast last minute. Thank you. So, yeah, no, thank you. thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Hey, sign up for the newsletter that I send out every other Thursday. It's filled with lots of excellent info and links to great stuff, including videos and suggestions from guests. Also, a few explanatory links if you want to find out more about the guest sport. It'd be a great help if you went to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the podcast. I'm looking to spread the word and allow more female athletes to find the podcast. Thanks again. See you in a couple weeks. should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.